Welcome to Healing 101, the mini bite-sized episodes that are bursting full of information from leading experts and doctors who are here to help us understand difficult topics and teach us about the various ways we might be able to improve our mental health. The point of these episodes is to educate you about different mental health disorders and therapies that you may never have heard of before, because ultimately, the more people know, the more people we can help on their healing journeys. On today's Healing 101, I'm speaking to Dr. Ariel Noble, the Head of Research Psychology at Mental Health Innovations and a Chartered Counselling Psychologist with 20 years of experience in the field of mental health and wellness. Her clinical and research backgrounds help those who suffer from mild to severe mental and or physical difficulties. Today, we are going to be speaking about the relationship between eating disorders and loneliness and what anyone suffering should do to avoid isolating and retreating further into the illness. Can you just explain to us about what SHOUT does in a nutshell for people who don't know? SHOUT is a 24-7 text messaging service that's free to use through SMS on any phone, um, whether or not you have data. You can text at any time when you're feeling distressed or overwhelmed to speak to someone about it. We're powered by our volunteers who support people warmly and compassionately, and they're also overseen by clinical supervisors. So there are professionals overseeing all the conversations being had. And what area, Ariel, do you focus on in terms of mental health in your practice particularly? My main area of interest, I'd have to say, is relationships. How our earliest relationships impact our relationships with ourselves, and then how that impacts our relationship with others. It's a complex cycle. You have quite an interest in eating disorders as well. How do dysfunctional families often lead to, say, having a, a child with an eating disorder? And can you just talk to us a bit about the familial structure and how a dysfunctional family, as opposed to a functional family triangle, can manifest itself? This is a great question. It's also a complex question. So at best, I can offer a quick stop insight. So let's take it step by steps. Eating disorders are what we'd call biopsychosocial. It means that it involves our bodies, our minds, and relationships, and how they're all intertwined with one another. So if we think about our earliest relationships, we're all taught scripts about life, food, feelings, gender, sexuality in our childhood, which ultimately sets out conditions that we feel we need to follow to be accepted. So let's take food as an example. Who out there was forced to finish their meal or made to feel guilty about other children out there who are starving when we have so much food or given special foods when you're ill or on play dates or told that there are good foods and bad foods and that there's perhaps a good weight or a bad weight or a good way to look or a bad way to look? What was your family mealtime atmosphere? We also have a diet culture that implicitly suggests that we should restrict ourselves or fear self-indulgence and be ashamed of who we are and how we look naturally. These message scripts 
impact our relationships with our bodies, what we like and dislike about our bodies and ourselves, and how often we praise our bodies for what they do for us. So if someone contacts you and says, you know, I'm really struggling in my family environment, I've got a mother who's a bit faddy about her own food, I'm feeling like I have a slightly toxic relationship with her. What can you do to help someone who's living under the same roof as someone who they have a toxic relationship with? And how can they move away from that person without physically moving away from them? I think it's important to talk about. I think the more people talk about it, the more they connect with each other. Like they didn't realize that other people were thinking similarly because it is common, especially for those our primary caregivers growing up, I mean, when they have certain ways of thinking, we might fall into the assumption that that's the way it is and that's how everybody thinks. And talking about it helps us connect, live out loud more freely because people who are ashamed of who they are and live in secret, right? Eating disorders could be very secretive. They need an ally, someone who listens and understands and who validates their thoughts and feelings So my approach with clients is from the inside out in that way, to provide a space for people to think what they think and feel what they feel unconditionally to support the development of a healthy relationship with yourself, where you can feel self-accepting and believe that you are good enough just the way that you are. And the more that we can hear ourselves, the more we can trust ourselves And then the more that we can recognize when someone's bringing something unhealthy or perhaps toxic into our space, and rather than take responsibility for it, or assume that we have to live by it, or feel like we need to be accepted, we can recognize when it's a them issue that they need to manage. And this is kind of the premise of eating disorder treatment, right? It's to reduce the shame and restrictions that we place on ourselves. It's to allow ourselves a full range of foods, tastes, and experiences to support our health and well-being and to hear ourselves, right? To listen to our gut. And that can mean hunger, fullness, but it can also mean emotionally so that we can accommodate how we feel. And ultimately, I encourage people to love themselves in a healthy way and to stop apologizing for who we are and how we feel. Hurt to Healing has partnered with Brown Advisory to bring you this podcast. Brown Advisory, a global investment management firm, is passionate about raising awareness of mental health challenges in order to help people thrive in an ever-changing world. A big thank you to Brown Advisory for supporting my mission. Creating boundaries with people is a huge thing in managing relationships. And I'd love to know your thoughts on healthy mechanisms to create boundaries with people. So it makes me think about Moshe Feldenkrais, who was a physicist turned physical therapist, but he focused a lot on self-awareness. And he very famously said, you can't do what you want until you know what you're doing. First, we need to understand how we feel and what has hindered our self-confidence and where we are today before we can build it up. Once we understand that there's nothing wrong with us and rather that things happen to us 
and we have managed and survived as best as we can. And perhaps now we've found ourselves coping in unhealthy ways that no longer serve us. Our self-confidence gradually begins to build naturally once we give space for that understanding and self-acceptance. So telling someone who doesn't eat to eat or setting other practical goals or objectifying their body, I think there's a spectrum, but it certainly isn't as helpful as understanding what stops someone from eating, for example. As there's a philosopher, Gabriel Marcel, who brilliantly highlights that people are not problems to be solved but mysteries to be discovered. Now, the thing about boundaries, I think that's also there is almost, I I think about kind of the farther end of the spectrum where we're almost like isolating ourselves. I could see how this could lead someone to maybe feel isolated or lonely. And as I mentioned earlier, eating disorders can be very secretive. And I believe that secrets are unhealthy in general, right? They encourage silencing, And that can fester at the center of our souls when we believe that love and acceptance is conditional. You know that it depends on how I look or feel or how I identify. We all want to be accepted and deserve to be accepted unconditionally. So conditions, right? Oh, you've done this and and these kind of comments, they have a way of canceling out the parts of ourselves that we deem unacceptable And that's what cultivates shame around who we are and how we feel. So we suppress the parts of ourselves that think or feel the way that we fear we shouldn't think or feel. And that's also where emotional dysregulation comes from. Emotional dysregulation is a term that we use to describe emotional responses that are poorly regulated and don't really fall within a healthy range of an emotional reaction, which is to feel something and to express it and to allow yourself to feel it. So when we don't allow ourselves to feel how we feel, we seek control and to suppress our emotions and seeking emotional regulation by means of control in this way often will take common unhealthy paths that can lead to eating disorders as well as addictions. And so we want to offer something different to perhaps what someone is used to. And instead, just try to understand, validate, accept. Why do you think that loneliness, particularly and lack of human connection, has become such an issue and is actually getting more and more prevalent today? I think my short answer has something to do with our technologically driven society. And I actually mentioned him earlier, Gabriel Marcel, who's a philosopher. And he actually forewarned way long ago about the risks of losing meaningful connections within a technologically driven society. There are aspects of technology that facilitate our connection, right? And then there are also aspects that inherently dehumanize, manipulate, exploit And the latter tends to ignore the fundamental dignity of our individuality, the mysterious worth at the core of each of us that is not easily summed up or defined. This is one reason why we're more digitally connected than ever and also at our loneliness, right? Facilitating meaningful connections relies on our appreciation for each other, 
where we can begin to learn about each other and we can learn about ourselves. And the more that we can appreciate and accept ourselves, the more we can appreciate others. So this threat of a technological mindset where we only want to see the good and put up this curated version of ourselves and then we harshly judge the bad, all of this can diminish when we stop seeing things objectively, right? People's issues as as objective and we actually can allow ourselves to participate subjectively. Does that make sense? Like rather than being around the table and kind of commenting on what someone's eating and how much weight they've gained, kind of allowing ourselves to get close to someone's experiences of what stopped you from eating. Now that may raise up some things within us, but we need to allow ourselves to get together in that kind of way. And I think that sometimes technology, and it's not fair, it's not all technology. I think especially during COVID, there were technology had an amazing way of allowing us to connect with each other, but perhaps I'm talking about social media. We're not really connecting in this kind of subjective way with each other. We're sort of judging each other. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's recognizing people's essences. It's about you as a, as a person that people love and, and your behaviors are sort of within reason are actually irrelevant. It's about you as a person. It's your inner essence that I love. It's not... It's not anything about the way you eat or, or your kind of weird habits. Absolutely. And this inner essence, the need to have our inner, inner essence seen and understood actually has a neurological function. You know, it doesn't just enhance our personal well-being. It also activates neural regions of the brain associated with feeling socially connected. And the opposite is true as well. So feeling misunderstood activates the part of the brain that leaves us feeling disconnected from the people around us. And that's why helping others to feel understood, being curious about someone's essence, as you say, is important because that's how we feel connected and we create a more open, honest space to lead more meaningful lives. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great point to end with. Ariel, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing 101. Just a reminder that if you're struggling or in need of someone to talk to, please remember to text SHOUT to 85258.